Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Shine Hills at shinehills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. Cheyenne Hills. Hello again, everybody. And we are here in our new studio. Has nothing on the walls. And I, have you already started thinking about things we need to hang on these walls? So I have a Pinterest page. <laughs> oh, gosh. So this, th- th- there's could be a lot of ideas oh, going on these walls. And and Evan's working on the logo. And I know they have this one where they did they painted the wall black, and then they did like the metal letters and stuff, which is really expensive. But yeah. no, we have some thoughts, and I know you've talked about doing a TV, so we can well, do some. Okay, so let me just talk about this. Yeah. And I think I think Nathan, you were in here when we were talking about it. But mm-hmm. what if we put a TV, and I'm pointing now to my left, above our table, and mm-hmm. then. We've got this podcaster that yep. we do Facebook Live with, and so maybe we could actually actually do these podcasts, do it live on video, yep. and then if we wanted to show a map or show something right. or talk, that we're talking about, a quote, we could have it right here, and it's like, man, this could be... We could just talk all day long. Can you imagine? So you've mentioned already some of the places you've been, Ephesus, oh, and yeah. places in Greece and stuff. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine actually bringing people there as we talk yeah. via Google Earth or something? That's true. And I've got, oh, I've got some good Greek. There's some funny Greek things that I, some guys that uh, are, are, what do you call it? Tour guide. Oh, yeah. He was, he was fun. Yeah, and I've got him on my my uh in my photos so yeah that could work that could be fun that really would cool. be fun the wow. the teacher and me is thinking we need a whiteboard in here oh <laughs> for sure you know oh my gosh yeah, yeah this could get complex this real gonna, quick yeah, I know. this room isn't big enough no. i just realized that <laughs> i was really proud of the space we have and now it's not big enough i know really gosh, we, we don't need that extra lobby space. i tell you what with the whiteboard if i don't if i have to go anywhere beyond just stick figures i'm lost is that right <laughs> No, I, I, I'm I'm the same way, but I love using the whiteboard. Just to, I don't know why. I just like drawing stuff sometimes. You have I can an get inner the picture. I think so. Yeah. It's like I can't talk without drawing something either on a piece of paper or yeah. on the whiteboard or something. But <laughs> well, anyway, um, I I wanted to talk just a little bit about maybe where we're going. Um, you asked a question before we got started, and how many more weeks of mm-hmm. um, sorry, how many more weeks of the um, um our series. And we have three more weeks in our series, and this week, it, kind of an interesting one in the sense that it's all about the Father's timing. In other words, here's, a, here's an interesting thought that's been new to me. Everything in the Bible, Jesus or the Father has a time for, right. uh, times and seasons, there's a time for all these festivals. Jewish festivals are seven major festivals, mm-hmm. right? And they all ha- are in a certain time of the year, every year, right? and they're they're designated they have a purpose it's on time right um the sabbath you know it every comes around every week it's on time and so it's on a time we know so much of a timing well the challenge that i was new to me is that from the tribulation from the start of the tribulation really all the way through to the second coming of christ there's a time we know it's a there's three and a half years in the middle of the tribulation then uh, the Antichrist is going to set himself up to be God. They're going to worship him and not, not God. And so he has set himself up to be God. That's the abomination of desolation. And then there's three and a half years, and then second coming of Christ. It's on time. Right. As soon as you're, you're into it, it's timed. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that we don't know is the time when, when God the Father is going to say, okay, you can go back and get your bride. Right. 
and we just don't know. So, so the question kind of has been, and I, I don't want to talk the whole sermon here, but the, the question is, why did God leave that such a mystery? Mm-hmm. What, what was the purpose? What did that do? And if you think about it, the fact that we don't know when Christ is coming back, it, it either we either get complacent and drift from him or we keep our account short with him, right? right. It's going to be one or the other. Right. And, um, and I think that's what, maybe that's the reason. Maybe there's five reasons, and I don't know them all yet, but um, that's what I'm going to try to address this week is this whole idea that God the Father is the only one that knows the day or the hour, not even the Son. I'm really looking forward to hearing you discuss that because in Daniel chapter 9, the time is so specific. It is. Uh, up to 69 weeks, you can see the specific, specificity. Right. And you're right. There is a, uh, an interlude between the 69th and 70th week, and you wonder, why? Why? And not only that, there's in the New Testament, I forget the specific verse, people will talk about how there will be scoffers that will say, hey, he hasn't come after all of this time. And, and you really feel that. For sure. I think, I think more so all in, in our day even. I just, you know, when I was young, I used to, we used to preach. I, I mentioned this in one of the first sermons. You know, when Revelation was talked about, people were genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now I just feel like there, there are those that are genuinely interested, certainly. But in overall, people are like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I would say even a lot of the... Uh, um, you know, even the Christian community, especially when it comes to, if you get into thinking of the rapture of the church and those kinds of things, there's a whole bunch of Christendom that doesn't buy into that at all. Right, right. You know, they're just basically the, uh, I guess you'd call the reformed or the covenant theologian basically doesn't have any, any use for, and I, I hope I'm not overstating this, but I don't think they have any use for the, the rapture. They think the rapture and the second coming is all one event. And so you talk about in times with them, it's all allegory. And it, it just kind of turns into this mushy allegory, allegorical, you can do with whatever you want to with some of these images. And versus what I went through in seminary is, and this stuff has meaning. Now there's some things that we don't know exactly what they mean, right. but it has meaning and it's, uh, there's a lot of this that we can, it's very tangible and you can see exactly what God's plan is. You know what I've appreciated over your sermons is over the last couple of weeks, you've pointed out the role of the groom and the role of the bride. And so as we talk about the fact that we're not yet raptured, we're not yet out of this place, and yet the bride still is to anticipate, to anxiously await the arrival of the groom. And so we're constantly... Uh, as an old song puts it, live with our eye toward the eastern sky. Mm. You know, um, lift up your head, redemption draws nigh. Sure, right. But that that whole perspective of living every day. Right. Not allowing ourselves, and we talked about this uh, a while back, but uh, not allowing ourselves to be gaslighted by the culture. Right. But to recognize that we are citizens of of another country. Right. And uh, we're just pilgrims in this, in this world. A totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't have... Um, uh, we, we just don't have the same kind of view of, of this life as, as someone that is a non-believer or of the, the more liberal bent of things, you know, the more liberal bent of things that don't believe in God, let's just say, or don't believe that there's a heaven or believe that, I don't know, more agnostic and um, they just kind of, kind of mushy on their belief system, if you will. Well, they, they really believe that and it's probably true. This is the, the most heaven they're going to receive is here on earth. What a and thought. You, and yeah. you, you think about it, they're, they're always living in the most beautiful places on the planet. 
right? Can you imagine? It's always the, yeah. the most liberal places tend to be the most beautiful. It's like, it makes perfect sense because, you know, why not be attracted to the things that it's beauty and it's just, we got this one life and then it's over. Mm. Well, I don't have that mindset. Right. We can live in uh, wherever, India, Africa, um, different places around the globe that are not maybe the, the garden spots of the world, mm-hmm. but we can live in difficult places as a Christian because it's like, I know this is what the Lord would have me for me to do, and there's heaven. We, right. we, we always have our, I don't know if I think about it every day, but it's just there. Right, right. And we keep our mind and thinking about that. And so, always, yeah. yeah, always running in the back of our mind yeah. is that understanding that we're living before the throne of God. Yep. And, and, uh, this, and we're just passing through. This yeah, is you, a, you kind of alluded to this uh, a while back, but you mentioned this earth is the closest to heaven a person who doesn't know Christ will ever get. Right. And earth is the closest to hell a person right. who does know Christ will right. ever get. Yeah. And that does change your perspective dramatically. For and it's, sure. it's a wonderful thing. Yep. Now, so the, 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 the whole idea of what the groom is doing, so he's, he's away. He's been away for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, like this one lady said in the, in the lobby after the Saturday night service, she goes, because I said, you know, if, you know, typically he was gone for a year. Mm-hmm. And then he'd come back for his bride. And she said, well, maybe he's just having to build so many more mansions <laughs> or mo- so many more rooms. I love it. That uh, I thought, yeah, that's well, that's a, that's a good insight. That's probably mm-hmm. right. But, um, yeah, so the father is just waiting. And, and I, the thing I like about this picture is that it puts Christ in this, this picture of the, the bridegroom. He's as excited to come back for his bride mm-hmm. as his bride is, you know, the bride is anxious for this, this groom to to come back. This is such an exciting time mm-hmm. and the anticipation and the keeping herself pure and setting herself apart. And he's out working like crazy to make this happen. And, and, um, and also he's, I don't know if you, if you remember this part of the sermon, but this is the part that I, I don't know where I got it. I think it was from my, my MK research department <laughs> and that would be my wife. But this whole idea that the groom is, uh, He's working really hard, and he's he's away, and he's uh, uh, I don't know, just so anxious to bring to come back for his bride mm-hmm. that he's spending you know countless amount of time and effort. It's a it's kind of an interesting picture to think about Christ like that. Boy, if he spent six days creating Earth, yeah, two thousand years oh, creating. That's a good perspective <laughs> right there. And, and he's already told us some of the ingredients. I mean, the twelve different kinds of stone and yeah. And, Pearls for gates. I'd yeah. love to see the oyster that comes up with That's that. That's a big you one. Know? <laughs> no kidding. And streets of gold. Yeah. Gold like glass. I, I you know, clear I, as crystal. Yeah. Clear as crystal. So the contemplation of it, it that right there, that awareness and that that thought ought yeah. to build anticipation yeah, for sure. in our lives. And yeah. and just looking forward to seeing him face to face. We we talked about the the lady that went home to be with the Lord after a life well lived. Yeah. Uh, who came over from Cuba? I forget her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rosa. Rosa. You know what? Right now, um, she it, her anticipation is being filled. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, man. And so then we also talk about someday when that trumpet sounds and our anticipation is filled as well. And that's the moment the father looks at the son and says, "It's ready." No kidding. It's I time. can't wait. That's amazing. Yeah. The the one thing about the bride that I that I came across this week that was new to me is that she is not only to be re- remain pure I get that, but not only to uh, be you know anticipate be be ready and even sleeping in her gown that's one yeah. of the things about this uh, before the wrath has brought out that I've never seen before I I have no reason to doubt it I did, I just think that readiness is such an interesting picture 
but the one new thing that I understood this year, this week is that she is supposed to, on a, on a continual basis, be separating herself from her father's house emotionally, mm-hmm. um, ah. financially, and, and just in every way for this transition. Right. Right. And so, so what does that look like? What is a bride? Are we, are we too worldly? Right. Mm-hmm. Are we hanging on to the world so tightly that we're not ready to go? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this thought really is the one that kind of have you ever preached a sermon and you came across something and it just hit you so hard you thought, wow, I got I need to preach this, but I gotta digest this for myself first because That's so true I, because you know am I so much in the world? Would if he would come today, but I'd say, oh man, Lord, I just I just got this new whatever, right? <laughs> you right. know, I'm not really ready, right? And it's like as the world got its. It's like the, like I said the other day, I don't I don't necessarily I'm not coming after people's people's stuff. It's not about what you own, mm-hmm. but it is about what owns you, mm-hmm. right? And and I think the inventory is: Am I living in such a way of anticipation that the world nothing owns me? You know, I love that. I, I remember reading years ago, Warren Wearsby put this in one of his books, and he talked about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Yeah. And in that statement, he points out, what is the world? I mean, the God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Sure. So it's not that. And then we're supposed to take care of the world. God called it good when he created it. Sure. And, and all these things are for our enjoyment. Exactly. So we were supposed to enjoy these things. Right. But what he points out is what the world means in that context. He's talking about a system. Yes. The things that enamor us. And it's like the world of sports. That was, I think, the illustration he used. Okay. And he's right. So when you begin to love the system of this world, and then there's a lot of people that don't even fall in love with the system, but when it comes to the things, yeah. you might talk to them, and they, they don't like everything, but you start talking to them about their Browning Able II medallion, oh, 300 yeah. wind mag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be parted from that one, or yeah, my exactly. bass boat, you know? Oh, yeah, right, it's the things. But but you're right, and, and I want to go back to that, because you just made me think of something, that the world really is, it's the system, it's, the, it's like power. Right, you know, you know, desiring power, desiring mm-hmm. position, so you can have power. Mm-hmm. That is that is one that's very, I don't know, enticing. Right. Um, um, there, another one just went in and out of my mind, but these these whole things of uh, of, of having the world and its system mm-hmm. um, get its clutches in you—that's something we got to really be careful of. But that's a beautiful thing too. So we're called to look beyond that. Because if the highest thing that you could ever achieve is your bass boat, you know, we talked about that a while back, you know, what causes people, the materialism. And if you really, truly believe that, how valuable you'll see your own life. Yeah. And, And really it comes back down to exactly the sermon you've been talking about and why we separate ourselves, what the bride is to be anticipating and how she's to be separating herself. All of these conversations dovetail together because it's based right out of the scripture. Yeah. Love I wanted that. to read this passage. Uh, this is the one I read uh, for the sermon. It says, Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty, since he is your Lord. Bow to him. So you see in this this little snapshot in Psalm uh, chapter 45, verse 10, wow. this this idea that you know she is supposed to be actually um, pretty strong here. Consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's household. And so, so if we were to apply this to the world, it would say, uh, not love, not the world, but forget the world. Wow. Right. If, right, if right. that's, if, if we we're to translate this, and I think it's a challenge for every one of us all the time, um, to make sure that we're not the world, you know, 
that we're not clutching onto the world and its system, its power, its its influence, its enticing things. Mm-hmm. We can enjoy the world. We're supposed to. Uh, God created this world. We're supposed to be stewards stewards of this world. All those things. Um, mm-hmm. But to love its power or to love its things more than we love God, right? That's that's where it's. As you made this, I so I know I've read that passage in Psalm, but. That's the first time it's some things have clicked. I really appreciate that. It also kind of ties into what Jesus was talking about. If you're going to come after me, you have to hate your father and your mother. Oh, and so yeah. He's not saying, I love my wife. I love my yeah. dad. My mom's in heaven now. I love her. Yeah. Um, but what he's saying is your love for me is right. something that grows so immense. But I've never seen that in context of Psalm uh, 45. Yeah. That's wonderful. I think it's I think it's a cool picture of what, what it's supposed to look like for us. And so... Just like the uh, that bride, you know, is, is separating. And I, the question I asked the congregation, but before I asked the congreg- congregation, I asked myself, you know, is there anything in this world, the world system, the world things, whatever? And uh, it, it was quite a. Mm-hmm. It's one of those one of those sermons that you preach, and you, and uh, I remember um, it was Charles Stanley that came. And he preached for a week at Dallas Seminary. Oh wow! And uh, he was—he was always one of my my favorites. Kind of, I always listened to him on the radio. Never seen him face to, you know, in person. And um, in fact, I still have all of his notes. I wrote his notes are pretty much all of what are in my. Aren't Ryrie, there some of those people you Ryrie wish you study could, Bible? Yeah, you wish you could put their voice box in your throat because oh. he sounds so good. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah, he was amazing. But anyway. Um, now, what was I saying about him? <laughs> I said all these th- he came wonderful to talk things to him for a, for a he week. Came to speak, and he was he was awesome, and I can't even remember what the context was, but um, he he really was. But he, he just made this huge impact on all of us of mm-hmm. just making sure that you know he makes God big. That's right, right. in general what he does, and you just feel like I want those things. I want those things that are before God. Oh, here's, here's the thing he said. He said, you make sure that whenever you preach that it goes through your, your heart before it comes out of your mouth. Oh, that's good. Because you can take things. Um, uh, that's why my front of my Bible looks just like that. I took notes all the way through it, mm-hmm. but, um, cause you can take information in your head through your eyes. Right. It can come kick around in your brain a little bit and come out your mouth and sound really, really good mm-hmm. and have it never go through your heart. Right. Right. But if you take it in your mind and you let it go down and kick around your heart and it be convicting to you, then you let it come out of your mouth. You can tell the difference. I can. Mm-hmm. My wife can. Mm-hmm. If, if I've actually lived this passage or if I'm just parodying that passage. That so what sense? you're saying is when you get up to preach, you've had, and this is even if it's a tough sermon. For sure. You've lived out that sermon already in your own heart. And sometimes I live it out and I don't even want to. I, I, I would tell you there's times when I've, I've preached on, you know, hell or the devil or his workings or put on the front armor of God because of your enemy, the devil, you know, all those things. And I will tell you, um, this is going to sound weird. I guess I'm on a podcast. I can say weird stuff, right? <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes I'll have, have dreams that are just stupid mm-hmm. or, you know, it's like... And I just think, I don't know if it's the enemy or not, but it's like the timing of it sure was ironic, mm-hmm. you know, right. and, um, or even, or even things that are kind of, I have a dream about being terrified about something. And it's like, I don't know if it's, I do not know how this works and mm-hmm. I don't want to get all weird on it, but I just, I know that when I'm preaching on something, uh, even morality, immorality, pornography mm-hmm. there, I will tell you, it seems like you will, those temptations are going to hit mm-hmm. that week. You can just right. count on it. Right. And um, and I just I really believe you got to 
you got to be prayed up when you, you go into this book because if you just go in thinking you can't you can just preach this stuff, it, you're going to go through it. Right. It's going to go through you. Makes it scary to preach on the subject of humility, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, what's this going to look oh, like? Oh, no, it's going to be a bad week. Uh, I'm not going to preach on brokenness. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, okay, so so we kind of we kind of ran to the end of this one. So, um, But anyway, I think I think that, that whole idea of uh, the bride being ready, separating herself, making sure we're not loving the world, uh, that's just awesome. And to think that Christ is working like a bridegroom, just you know, all out to get ready for right. this bride. Isn't that cool to right. think of? Love it. And I've loved the sermon series, and I'm looking forward to the next several. It's going to be wonderful. Be In the meantime, be strong and very courageous. God bless you all.